Apple shares pop, but not a lot of follow through from that initial first tick higher at 138. Right now, let's bring in Angelo Zeno, joining us from CFRA, who covers the stock. All right, Angelo, I'm like borderline freaking out here because uh, I've never seen a $13 billion beat on the top line. And I know you haven't either. Is this like a stock market record? <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's a stock market record. I mean, in dollar terms, you know, it quite possibly could be. Right. In terms of um, per percentage terms, I'll tell you this. Uh, um, this kind of reminds me back to the days of iPhone SuperCycle, where they just, you know, absolutely, you know, destroyed the numbers. So, um, you know, absolutely phenomenal results beat across, you know, the line, you know, on on all metrics. Um, I think, you know, personally, what I found to be most phenomenal was the, the services side of things growing 27% year over year. That was a very, very nice beat. And then um, I think the China numbers were just absolutely phenomenal um, growing north, I believe, you know, about 87% year over year. So um, some great numbers all across, but to me, those were really the most Okay, Angelo, we're losing the connection a little bit. I want to try and uh, uh, keep going here. But um, the point is that, you know, to some degree, we knew this was going to be a great quarter. But you didn't have, as an analyst trying to figure out, you know, what was going to happen here, you didn't have guidance from Apple, right? How difficult did that make it in trying to assess what they would do this quarter? Yeah, I mean, I think it was extremely difficult in terms of the lack of guidance. But that being said, you know, we haven't had guidance for a couple of quarters now. Um, I think what really made it interesting is um, if you go back the last two years in terms of the March quarter, um, those were extremely poor quarters for Apple in terms of last year with the pandemic, specifically in China, and then the prior year before that. Um, you know, the issues going on in terms of the uncertainty with the tariffs. So um, you were talking about a fairly low bar to begin with. And I think analysts were likely, you know, comping against those, you know, already low bar type numbers. But kind of going into this quarter, we had seen the, the kind of the PC estimates. Um, and, you know, our view was iPads and PCs were going to crush it. We had seen some of the initial kind of data points in terms of smartphones out in China. And, you know, out in China, they're absolutely gobbling up um, these larger uh, iPhone devices, and that clearly helped the quarter as well. So um, at the end of the day, um, we were kind of, you know, anticipating to some extent some sort of, of blow up, but this was, you know, far exceeded our expectations. I mean, I guess I got to ask the other side of the question, uh, you know, like I've been saying here, it's like, how does this thing just not rocket uh, from, from here in terms of price of the stock? Uh, but... Um, I mean, is this also perhaps is another way to read this that, you know, this amount of growth will be impossible to maintain going forward? Is there a risk of that, Angelo, where the size of this beat and the huge amount of demand for the products, especially on the device side, as we were all stuck at home and we needed to refresh and we needed to run Zoom and we needed to run these applications and we needed the most recent device and an upgrade? Is this a screaming sign that they'll never be able to do that type of huge growth again? Yeah, I mean, as far as you know, the, the type of growth numbers we're looking, you know, in terms of the June quarter, um, I'd expect another great June quarter. Um, so, you know, they're going to be able to keep up the momentum here in the near term. Um, I think the concern is there is a pull-in effect um, of demand um, ahead of their next you know, iPhone cycle, as well as the fact that, listen, these iPad and PC numbers, maybe to your point, um, can't be sustained. So um, I think the fear, if there is any from this result, 
is the fact that, hey, listen, we're pulling in some demand. And as we look out towards 2022, it's very possible where we see more of a, a flat EPS year of year number or potentially even a down type of year number in terms of EPS if the numbers kind of get so hot here in the immediate near term. Um, but that being said, I mean, that really shouldn't take away with what Apple is doing here in the absolute, you know, and that they're doing you know, overall in services, because our view here is there is a lot of stickiness in that services side of things. And that really is where the value is here long term for investors. Okay. So that's really important because they did beat on the services too. Uh, they did uh, 16.9 versus 15.65. Total revenue of almost 90 billion services accounting now for about 19 percent of that so the beat they're good the stickiness to your point about the services that they offer but what will they tell us about growth in that what growth will they need to tell us angelo if the growth for the macs in the ipads and the iphones but particularly the ipads and the macs is going to be trouble uh you know going forward so if they're going to say look iPads and Macs, guys, we're not going to be able to sustain this. What can they tell about services to make folks feel comfortable about the growth trajectory? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the, you know, the issue with Apple is they probably won't provide you too much clarity. If anything, they'll probably come out and say, hey, listen, we expect growth to decelerate within the services business here in the June quarter as it starts, you know, comping some of those um, tough pandemic type of numbers. But in our view, this is a business that will be able to continue to grow at a 15% plus pace, um, despite the fact that they're going to be lapping those tough comps. So, you know, that being said, um, don't expect much clarity in terms of, you know, from Apple outside of the fact that, hey, listen, this business is going to decelerate. But um, we, we remain extremely bullish as far as that business is concerned. And there's a lot more they can do with that business. $90 billion in buyback too, obviously never hurts. Um, but, uh, you know, dividends as well, like, you know, they're buying back the size of basically every other S&P 500 company outside of the top, like, 80 or maybe a little bit more. The buyback size, uh, do you like that, Angelo? Just the last point here, is that something that's stock positive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of you know, what they're doing here with the cash, I mean, clearly with, with the stickiness, this is business and the type of numbers they're posting here. The free cash flow numbers are absolutely going through the roof. And, you know, at this point in time, historically, that, you know, they don't use it towards making, uh, you know, these acquisitions, and, you know, anything outside of, you know, smaller bolt on acquisitions. So, you know, might as well return it to shareholders here. And, you know, I think it's at this point in time, it's better than keeping it on the balance sheet. Okay. Angela, thanks for being with us. I know you want to uh, spend some more time with the numbers and uh, follow through with the commentary as well. Uh, always good to have you here, Angela. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot, man. Mr. Zeno joins us from CFRA.